think we'll call this rules of reaping. Rules of reaping. How about saying that out loud? See if you like the sound of it. Rules of reaping. You might say, well, I didn't know there were any rules to reaping. Well, that's rules of reaping. Now, I'm not saying this in an exhaustive sense. I'm not saying these are the rules. I just said what? Rules. rules. Some rules. You know, you have to watch about qualifiers. A lot of times people and preachers have to watch this. I, you know, I teach at Raymond. I tell young ministers all the time that uh, absolutes are unbecoming on the lips of novices. <laughs> What do you mean, Brother Keith? Well, I mean saying this is the key. Is it? That implies you know all the keys there are. Which is not true. These are the seven steps. Well, there might be ten. There's three you might not have found out yet. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I, I didn't say the, here are the rules to reaping. I said here are some rules of reaping. In Proverbs, the tenth chapter... And the uh, fifth verse, Proverbs 10, 5, it says, He that gathers in summer is a wise son. Everybody say gather. Yes. That'd be another way of saying reaping, gathering it in, in the summer. If you gather in the summer, you're a wise son. But he that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. He that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. The Living Bible is interesting on that one. It says, a wise youth makes hay while the sun shines. <laughs> but what a shame to see a lad who sleeps away his hour of opportunity. What a shame to see a lad who sleeps away his hour of opportunity. Can you sleep through your hour of opportunity? Can you sleep through harvest? Didn't even get an amen out of that. Not that I heard. Look at it again in the King James. He that gathers in summer is a wise son. That's what I want to be. A wise son. But he that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. Now going over to Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter. Notice this verse. Ecclesiastes 11. Let's start in verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you shall find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. How many understand that he's saying give extra? If you were planning on giving seven, what do you do? Go ahead and give eight. Why? Because you don't know what's coming up tomorrow. You may need some extra. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall be. He that observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regards the clouds shall not reap. 
He that regards or observes, rather, the wind shall not sow. Do you understand that there are uh, a number of people that they get to looking at certain things and decide not to sow? And what they don't realize is they're just observing the wind. And also, there are people that regard the clouds. Clouds are figurative of uh, problems or turbulence or something going on that's not necessarily positive that you'd like, but get to looking at that and fail to reap. They don't reap. Another translation says this. It says, he who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. It said, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. That's the living Bible again. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. You understand, we live in an imperfect world. And I don't care when you might want to mention as an occasion for doing something, you could always find some, something that causes it to be an imperfect time. Have you ever noticed that so many times when the Lord deals with you to give or sow, it's not convenient to do it right then? Have you noticed that? <laughs> Boy, I have. So I mean, I don't mean once, I don't mean twice, I don't know at the times that the Lord's dealt with me to give, and it just, it was a bad time. For, you know, for me to give, as far as looking at my checking account and my pocketbook, but see, that just checks your faith out, doesn't it? Just checks it out all the more. You know when people need you? They need you when they need you. Not when it's convenient for you. And the Lord needs you when He needs you. Not when it's handy. Not when it's convenient. Has the Lord ever asked you if it was convenient for you? He never has me. I, anything that we were doing that he dealt with me to do, he, I, I don't ever remember the Lord approaching me and saying, Keith, is this a good time? <laughs> I never remember anything like that. He didn't even ask. Well, he doesn't need to ask what kind of time it is. He knows where you're at. He knows what you got, what you don't have. He knows. And if he dealt with you to do it anyway, well, he knew. And you just have an opportunity to... Uh, See if you're going to be moved by the clouds or by the wind. You know, when people need you in their hour of need, so many times it's inconvenient. It's two o'clock in the morning and you just got off to sleep and the phone rings. But they need you now. It's not convenient. It's not comfortable. But now it's when they need you. Now's the time to roll out and be there for them. Lord, dealt with you to help this person. They need the money now. You kind of need it too. But you find out, you know, if I really believe that God can get it back to me in time and, and all of that. But he said, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. And so anytime that God deals with you to sow or, or there's some opportunity to reap, you could always find some obstacles and reasons why it's not a good time, but just realize that's the way it's going to be as long as we're down here. People are waiting for the perfect time to do certain things in their life. Well, there's not going to be a perfect time. 
If you wait for perfect conditions, I should say conditions, there's always going to be some conditions that are less than ideal. But just go ahead and obey God when he deals with you. Now, I want you to notice in particular, he talks about people failing to reap. And in the scripture in Proverbs, he talks about somebody who slept through the harvest. Is it possible to sleep through your harvest? That's not an exciting thought, is it? I mean, to just sleep right through your harvest. There's a harvest available, and yet you just slept right through it. It must be possible, or elsewise he wouldn't warn us about it and say that the sun that sleeps through harvest it causes shame. It must be possible that there's something available to reap, but you can get to looking at the wrong thing and not reap. Or he wouldn't have said this in Ecclesiastes. As we've already said, I want to talk to you about reaping. I want to talk to you about rules of reaping and rules of getting in the harvest. I want to deal with two particular areas, and that is reasons why people don't have a harvest. And then secondly, we'll get to this eventually, reasons why people have a small harvest. It's possible to not even have a harvest in certain areas of life. And we're going to ask, you know, why? Why don't people have a harvest? And answer that with some things from the Scripture. But then also there are people that are reaping some harvest, but the harvest is small. And there's more than one reason why a harvest would be small. Well, I want to reap the harvests. And I want to reap big harvests. Great, bountiful harvests. Abundant, bumper crop harvests. Right? Let's begin to answer this question about why people don't have harvest. Uh, there's a number of scriptures we could go to and talk about, but how many believe in the law of sowing and reaping? Amen. Sowing and reaping. Well, did you notice he said in, in Luke 6:38, without turning there, you know it, give and it'll be given to you. We could say it like this, sow and you'll reap. And you see that any number of places in the scriptures. Second Corinthians 9 talks about, you know, sowing bountifully or sparingly, etc., etc. And the Lord has said to me some time back that, uh, he said, notice it's not reaping and sowing. <laughs> Sometimes the simplest things will just kind of reach out and grab you, you know. He said it's not, notice, it's not reaping and sowing. What is it? Sowing and reaping. Well, this should be very obvious and it's quite simple, but we don't need to just pass over it. Uh, number one reason why people don't have a harvest. Can you guess? Because <laughs> they haven't sowed. Uh, the first rule of reaping is you have to have sown. You must sow. If you want to reap a harvest, you have to sow. You think everybody would know that, but they don't. A lot of people in charismatic circles, word and faith circles, they think all there is to prosperity is making confessions. Come on. Turning in prayer requests. Yeah. Calling hotlines. Yeah. But that's not enough. You've also got to 
sow. You got to give. You got to plant. Now, all through this teaching, we will be using the truth that Jesus taught and that the Apostle Paul taught by the Holy Spirit. They compared natural sowing and reaping to spiritual sowing and reaping. Didn't they? I mean, again and again and again, the Lord taught us about spiritual sowing and reaping by comparing it to the natural. Sometimes people think that spiritual things are nothing like natural things, but that's not true. Natural things are patterned after spiritual things. And so the similarity is, is very, very great. And so the things that are true about planting a natural seed and letting it grow and harvesting the results, those things are true concerning spiritual sowing and reaping. All of it's true, and if we need to, we need to go over and look at it carefully and remind ourselves of how things work in the natural, because they work by the same principles, spiritually. First thing, if you want to reap, you've got to sow. You've got to sow. Now, you know, the Lord will even help you get started with this. If you have nothing, absolutely nothing, He will give you seed to sow. How does this thing get started? He will start you. If you have absolutely nothing, you can ask Him for seed. And He will give you seed. Somebody say, yeah, but I haven't sown. Yeah, I know, but he, he will get you started. He'll give you something to start you off. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. He said, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed by, for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God will give you seed. I said, God will give you seed. Don't go out and complain and say, well, I don't have anything to sow. You have not because you ask not. Ask for seed. Say, God, I need some seed to sow. Ask him for some. And he said that he will supply seed to the sower. He'll give you some to get you started off with. But some very important things to remember when the seed comes in. First of all, you need to remember that you are to honor God with the first fruits of everything that comes in. Tithing. We talked about that when we talked taught laws of increase. Tithing. Let me make a statement here. Tithing is not sowing. Okay? Tithing is not sowing. Tithing is honoring God with the first fruits. It's actually returning to Him the first fruits of what comes in, but it's not sowing. But tithing is the key to your sowing being blessed. I said tithing is not sowing, but tithing is the key to your sowing being blessed. If you don't tithe, then your sowing won't be blessed. Now, there's a lot more in that than what, you know, we, I just made summary statements. That's actually the result of a whole teaching, what I just told you there. But uh, tithing is not sowing. Do you understand that? Some of you are looking at me like, well, I don't know, Brother Keith. Well, don't take my word for it. Study it out. Think about it. But tithing is not sowing. When you're giving God the first and best 10% of all your increase, don't think I'm sowing. You're not sowing. You're returning to God the first fruits 
you're not sowing because uh, that, you know, sowing implies something that's yours. Right? And uh, the Bible said that the tithe is holy to the Lord. It's His. Now, you can keep what's His, but that's bad. And it'll cost you. You don't have to return what's his. But when you're tithing, you're not sowing. You're simply returning to the Lord the first fruits of your increase. And you're giving to him what he said is holy and his. But when you do that, he will open the windows of heaven. And he will reign on the seed that you've sown. Okay, the first step we said in why people don't reap a harvest is that because they haven't sown. And the second thing here, this this is not really a second point, I shouldn't say that. This is a sub-point under the first one here. Is uh, sometimes people say, well, I give. I give. Yes, but have you sown in that particular area? You got to sow in every area that you want to reap. And every seed produces after its own kind. You remember Genesis. Genesis 1, he said, you know, the Lord said, let the earth burst forth with every sort of grass and seed bearing plant, fruit trees with seeds inside the fruit, so that these seeds will produce the kinds of plants and fruits that they came from. Every seed produces after its own kind. And if you have been experiencing lack, or in other words, you haven't been getting a harvest in a certain area, you need to check up, have I sown in that area? Not just have I sown in any area, have I sown in that area? Do you understand? Whatever a man sows, that is what he's going to reap or she's going to reap. If you sow money, you reap money. If you sow jewelry you'll reap jewelry. If you sow clothes, you'll reap clothes. If you sow making payments for people, then it'll come back to you. If you help somebody pay off something, then it's going to come back to you. You're going to be helped to pay off something. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you sow cars, you'll reap cars. If you sow houses, you'll reap houses. Of course, it takes takes faith to sow some of these big seeds. <laughs> oh, but it sure is good when harvest time comes, when you've sown these big seeds. But sow in the area that you want to reap in. That, that's been a, a revelation that, that has really helped me. You know, we talked about this in the previous teaching in Matthew 7, 12, how that he said all things. Whatsoever you would that men should do for you, do you even so for them. Whatever, if you would like for somebody to buy you a new suit, well, what should you do? You look for somebody to buy a suit for. If you'd like for somebody to help you pay off something, well, then you help them get theirs paid off. You understand? It's amazing how I did, I knew some of the word and I'd heard a lot of teaching, but somewhere or another that principle just hadn't sunk in me like it should have. But as soon as we started practicing that, 
I mean things immediately begin happening for us. You know, we, I think we shared with you the last time we were here, we, we helped somebody get their car paid off. You know, made a payment for them every month for a, a year. And they owed X amount of dollars. We helped them get that paid off. And just a few months after that, we were able to pay one, one of ours off. We sold about $3,300 and reaped about, oh, what was it? 15000 One check. Glory. We sold paying a car off. What did we reap? We paid a car off. Do you understand? Whatever area that you want to reap in, you need to sow in that area. So we're still talking about this. For, why don't people reap harvest? Well, because they haven't sown. Why, haven't they, why aren't they reaping a harvest in that area? Well, have you sown in that area? This does, doesn't just include money and material things. If you want friends, yes. sow friendship. If you want people to be faithful to you, sow faithfulness. Right? If you have people that are under you in a capacity, you want them to be respectful and obedient and submissive, well, you've got to sow that. You've got to be respectful and submissive and obedient to those that are over you. If you want people to be nice to you, if you want people to take time with you. See, sometimes people don't realize, they think, well, you know, everybody's just short with me. Why are people so rude with me? Well, <laughs> whatever a man sows, that shall he or she reap. And sometimes you're not reaping in an area because something good because you haven't really been sowing that. Haven't really been sowing that. So uh, we said people don't reap because they haven't sowed. Here's the second reason. Why people don't reap. Turn with me to Galatians 6. We've been quoting this verse and referring to it, but let's just turn there and look at it. Galatians 6, in verse 7, he said, Don't be deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And down in verse 9, he said, Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if, everybody say if, if, if this is conditional. In due season we shall reap if, everybody say if. if. He says we will reap if we faint not. Well, what if we faint? Then you won't reap. Do you understand that? Here is a second reason why people don't reap. They don't reap because they got tired of waiting for the harvest and they gave up. They got tired of waiting on the harvest. They got weary in well-doing. They just got wore out with the whole thing and they fainted. And they just thought to the, whether they said it or not, they just thought to themselves, well, forget it. Hadn't happened in X amount of time. I guess it's just not happening. And so what happened? They don't reap. Even when they've sown. I said even when they've sown. 
Now we know that the Lord's already told us the principle of sowing and reaping. So he's not going to be talking to people that don't sow. That you're going to reap. So he's obviously talking to people who sow. But he tells them that you will reap. In due season. Everybody say due season. Due season. You know when that is? That's later than you want it to be. <laughs> it's almost always later than what your flesh wants. Because your flesh always wants it now, right now. <laughs> Due season. Due season. We need to understand that if the principles that are true concerning natural sowing and reaping are also true concerning spiritual sowing and reaping, then we need to realize that when you sow a seed naturally, you don't reap tomorrow. Nor do you reap by the end of the week or two weeks. And it depends on what you sowed as to how long it's going to be before you reap. Some things take a while, don't they? And so if you're going to reap harvest, you just need to know going in that I'm not going to reap. I'm, I'm sowing today, but I'm not reaping tomorrow afternoon. Right? And it takes patience. How many old farmers have to be patient? It's hard to rush the ground. You know what I mean? Does no good to run out there on the farm with your tractor and get out there and scream, Hurry up! Hurry up, crop! I need you to come in. Does no good. Does no good for you to pace the floor in the farmhouse. <laughs> it's going to take a certain amount of time for this thing to grow. Now, a lot of times people, they, they haven't even thought in these areas because they like to think, yeah, but now spiritual things, they're different. But what does the Word teach us? The Word teaches us that the natural things and the spiritual things are similar. That's one reason why people have not had the success they should have had practicing faith principles and operating in, with verses like Mark 11, 23, 24. Because they let their flesh dictate to them time frames. And people have their own concept, charismatic concept of what Mark eleven twenty three means. You know, whoever will say to the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe what he says comes to pass, he'll have what he says. So they, in their mind, they're thinking, okay, you got the mountain? But believe in a heart, say with her mouth. Okay, so we pray in tongues a little bit and work ourselves up. Maybe even get some people behind us praying and helping. I would say, in Jesus' name, mountain be gone. And I mean, a th uh, there's thunder and lightning crashes down through the sky. Splits that mountain, shatters it into pieces and the wind blows it away. And when the dust clears in just, you know, a matter of minutes. You look up and there's a plane there. You just see daylight. So then you can brush off your hands and go, now that's faith, boys. That's what I'm talking about. Just, that's the way you got to do it. 
But that verse didn't say that. I said that verse didn't say that. That's not in there. It didn't say speak to the mountain and it will be gone by sunset. Did it? It didn't say that. There's another concept that a lot of times people have not even thought about. This is more, more realistic though. The mountain's in your way. You believe the principles of faith. So you say, in Jesus' name, mountain, listen to me. Remove from this place, be gone, be cast into the sea. And absolutely nothing happens that you can see or hear. But you don't let that move you. That's right. You go on back to, to, to home, go to bed. Get up and look out your window in the morning. Mountain's just as big as it ever was. He say, Mountain, did you hear me? I said, Go, and you're going. Yes. Get dressed, go to work. <laughs> Come back home. Out of your window, you see that big mountain there. Not so much as a tremor, nothing. <laughs> but you don't let that move you. You say, Thank you, Lord, for moving that mountain. Yeah. The mountain is gone. I see it, but in Jesus' name, it's gone. It's got to be, got, got to go. Things are happening right now. And so God gives you a song about the mountain being gone. So you sing it all the way home. You go to bed. You get up and go to work. You come back home, drive right by that thing every day, week after week, month after month. Everybody say month after month. Six months later, you come by the mountain and you see that there are a bunch of geologists out there. <laughs> Got their instruments up and you pull over and you say, what's going on out here, fellas? And they say, we don't know. There's something strange happening under this mountain. The plates are shifting under here. We don't know exactly what it is. You just smile and say, well, check it out, guys. And get in your car. And as you leave, you shout, glory to God. Holy. I told you the mountain was moving. Yeah, but it's still there. But over the course of the next weeks and months, things begin to shift. Cracks appear in the mountain. The water erodes. Other cracks appear. And sometimes you didn't even notice it, but over the course of the next two or three years, you weren't really, it's happening slowly, so you don't really notice it, but you hear somebody say, did you know that that mountain is only half as big as it was two years ago? Amen. Something's happening to that thing. That's right. And one day after many days, you look up and realize you have a clear view. Yes. Yes. <laughs> many days. The rain washed it and the streams washed it into the larger tributaries and they washed it into the river and they washed it into the ocean. And so now literally the mountain is in the ocean. But see, that's not spectacular. But it is very realistic. And who said that the mountain would quake and be ripped out of the ground in a moment of time? Why would the Lord give us verses like this if it was always going to happen right now? Why would he say, now don't get weary on me. 
Don't faint on me. Why would he use words like due season? If it happened just about the time you got the words out of your mouth. Do you understand? Everybody say due season. Due season. And when we plant seeds, they do not produce a harvest overnight. You do not take an acorn and go out in the front yard. You know that the potential for a huge oak tree is in this little seed. You dig a hole, you put it in there, cover it over, dash a little water on it, and yell, clear, clear, everybody, get out of the way, get out of the way. And the ground starts quaking and up through the ground, this big 10-foot oak shoots. You've never seen that. Because that's not the way it works. Well, why do we assume it works that way spiritually? Why do we? When the Lord teaches us to compare these spiritual principles with the natural. And the natural are patterned after spiritual realities. I said a lot of people don't reap because they just get tired of waiting. And so they just give up. And connected with this is that people forget that they sowed. (laughs) They just absolutely, you know, at time passes and they forgot that they sowed in that area. And people kind of had the idea, well, the harvest will just come in anyway, will it? Will it? According to our text, you can sleep right through your harvest. There's some things about reaping we need to consider, aren't there? Can you see why the Lord was dealing with me about this? We've been talking about sowing, tithing, and sowing, tithing, and sowing, but that's not all there is to it. It's not just sowing, it's sowing and reaping. So, uh, there's a time for the harvest, and it's not the moment after you sow. Jeremiah 5.24 You don't have to turn there. But Jeremiah 5.24, it said, uh, you know, that people should say, Let us fear the Lord who gives autumn and spring rains in season, who assures us of the regular weeks of harvest. There's a time for the harvest, isn't there? But it's not the day after you sowed. And he said there's a due season. And you will reap. The Lord's very positive here through Paul. You shall reap if. You faint not. Now see, faint, that word denotes you just become so weak, you just fall out. And quit making an effort to accomplish whatever it was you were working for. I grew up on a farm. And you know, uh, we would plant things sometimes. We we planted a lot of stuff. And uh, you know, sometimes as kids, we would plant our own little garden somewhere. Dad would break up some ground for us. we just have our own little deal there when we were real small. Once when we got bigger, we had so much work taking care of the real thing. We didn't want a little, <laughs> little garden to us. <laughs> I know when I, when I finally left home, uh, I don't understand people that enjoy yard work. I, ju- I just don't because 
We had acres of yard and acres of fields. And when people think about gardening as a hobby, I don't know. It just to me, I have all these memories. <laughs> now I thank God for it, but it was a lot of work. But you know, if you if you plant something and you just go off and forget it, and you forget that you planted that little spot over there, and you never go by and check it, even at the due season. Are you going to, is it going to automatically wind up in your house? No. People forget that they sowed because they don't take their sowing seriously enough. Do you know what I mean? They don't take their sowing seriously enough. Your only objective and motive for giving is not just to reap. You ought to love God and love people so much that you want to help people and help the kingdom of God. You'd give even if you had no return. But uh, if you sow and then you got a big crop standing in the field, why wouldn't you want to go get it? Would it be being humble to say, well, I'll just let it stay out there? Be being foolish. Because if you have reap a big crop, then you got a lot more to give. But if you forget that you sowed, then you're going to forget to reap. You're not even going to be looking for a harvest. If you, if you planted some tomato plants over in a certain corner somewhere where it was hidden by bushes whatever and you got busy with something else and you forgot that you planted that tomato plant over there it could have great big ripe tomatoes on it but you're not going to enjoy them because you forgot you planted it you forgot it's over there you're not going to go over there and reap because you forgot you need to remember where you've sown and so, it, you know, the thing is, so many times people don't realize that they're making investments. In their mind, it's just gone. When they give something, it's just gone. They don't see it as an investment with a return. Yes, that's right. And so that's why they don't think about it. But you need to remember, when you have sown something, you need to remind yourself every time you think about that area, hey, i got a harvest coming. I got a harvest coming in that area. And look for the harvest. So that you're not a sleeping sun when it comes in. You are checking that area. You are checking that part of the field all the time. You might come by earlier and well, it's not ready to be harvested yet. But y'all be back. Due season. You come back later. Well, oh yeah, it's looking good, but uh, not quite ready. But you don't forget. You remember, I sowed in that area. And so I'm expecting to reap in that area. People don't reap because they forget that they sowed and they uh, get tired of waiting on the harvest and just give up. Now here's, uh, what would this be, three? Because others are subpoints. Third major reason why people don't reap. Go with me to Mark chapter 4. Let me read this and then I'll give you the reason. Mark 4.26 Jesus said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep, 
and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knows not how. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, or as the margin says, when it's ripe, when it's ready, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. Now let's just stop right there. He said the kingdom of God works this way. The whole kingdom works this way. It's like a man, he puts seed in the ground, and it takes a while. He's sleeping and getting up and going about his business, but the seed is springing and it's growing. He doesn't know how it's doing that, but it's doing it. And the earth is bringing forth the fruit of itself. The earth is producing it of itself. And it's progressive. It doesn't happen all at once. First the blade, then the ear, full corn in the ear. But when it's harvest time, when it's ripe, when it's ready, immediately he putteth in the sickle. Everybody say, he putteth in. Who sowed the seed? The man did. The person. Who caused the seed to produce and develop? Well, God gave the increase. It came through the channel of the earth. The earth produced it of itself, it said. Who reaped it? The man did. The, the third reason here why people don't reap a harvest is because many think that reaping is automatic. They think that I don't have anything to do with reaping. It just automatically comes in. Y'all are too quiet. Let me ask you again on this, on this parable that Jesus taught. Who sowed the seed? Did God sow the seed? No, the man sowed the seed. Who reaped the harvest? Did God reap the harvest? No, the, the man did. Who, the man put in the sickle. Harvest is not automatic. Reaping is no more automatic than sowing is. You don't automatically sow. You have to decide to. You have to do it. Nor do you automatically reap. All we got to do is go back to the natural example now. When a farmer sows his crops, the seed does not jump out of the barn into the ground by itself. Does it? He has to work. He has to prepare the soil. He has to plant the seed and get it in the ground. Now, once he gets it in the ground, there are some other things he can do, but that's the main thing he's done. Because then there's things that's up to God. The way he made the soil and the way he made the seed, it'll produce it of itself. And God rains on the crop, right? And the sun shines on it. That's, the man doesn't do that. The growth is automatic. Once you get the seed in the ground, the growth is automatic. But when the crop comes in, does the crop jump out of the field into the barn automatically? No. 
No. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you're thinking, dear Lord, you're not going to tell me I'm responsible for the reaping and the sowing. Yeah. <laughs> we are. And this is why many have not been reaping harvest. So we're answering the question, why people have not been reaping harvest. You, it's because you have to reap. You have to sow. You don't have to make it grow. But you do have to reap. Do you understand that farmers, when, when the crop comes in, their job is not through. It takes a lot of work and energy and time and money to get that crop in. Doesn't it? They wish the wheat or corn would just jump out of the field into the silos or barns. Oh yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but it does. you've got to go out there and get it. You've got to get it. Do you know... That even when God does some things spectacularly in provision, you still have to gather it. For instance, God supplied the Israelites in their trek across the desert by raining manna out of the sky for them every day. Now that is spectacular provision. When food falls right out of the sky. But did you know what? They had to go get it. They could not just sit in the tent and make confessions. We're talking about spectacular provision. I mean, it's falling on you. Even when the blessing falls on you, you still got to pick it up and put it in the pot. And it was warm out there. And it was dry out there. And it fall, fell in little bitty flakes. Like frost or snow. And so they got to get their pot out there. And they got to get on the ground. Pick these little specks up. Until they got enough. Half a pound or whatever a pound. To make, make some flour and make some bread. Some work involved in this. Even when it was spectacular provision, they still had to go out and gather it. But did you know that as soon as they got to Canaan's land, the place where they were going to settle down and abide, the manna stopped. It stopped and God basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically God was saying to them, from now on, you operate by the regular laws of sowing and reaping. You plant your crops, they grow, you reap them in at the end of the year. And that's what they did. God expects us to live by the principles he set up and not try to get him to intervene and suspend the, the laws all the time. There's times that God will do something special for you because you, you just got yourself in such a mess you had to have a miracle just to make it. <laughs> and God is, God is good. He's, he's merciful. He's gracious. But he, that's not, he doesn't want you to live from crisis to crisis. And them have to suspend the ordinary laws of nature for you on a regular basis just to get you through. Amen. So why are you so special that he should have to do that? We should understand the regular laws of sowing and reaping and have enough going out and be reaping enough coming in on a regular basis that we're doing good all the time. Amen. And we're not just living from crisis to crisis. 
I said, many do not reap harvest because they think that they don't have to do anything to reap. That if I sow, that's all that's necessary. That when I sow, that, you know, the harvest is going to be produced and the harvest is going to come and jump in my barn. It's just going to jump right out of the field into my barn. It doesn't happen in the natural. Notice verse 29 again. When the fruit is brought forth, what happens then? Immediately, he puts in the sickle. That's work. He puts in the sickle because the harvest is come. Now, how do you do that? Well, we talked about this in the previous series. About, you know, Brother Hagin said that he struggled in finances for a long time. And the Lord taught him eventually uh, about how... Well, let me just tell the whole story because some of you may not have heard it. Uh, he said, you know, in the early days of his ministry, Brother Kenneth Hagin, his wife and two children. He said, man, they just barely made it financially and materially. He, at one point he had to sell his car for junk. And walked to his meetings. And uh, he had one wore out suit. Miss Aretha had one wore out dress. And they're just barely eking out an existence. And a lot of times the kids are not really clothed like they should be. And the food is it's real short. They're, they're not starving, but man, they're just on the edge. And he said, man, they would pray and beg and somehow finally make it through. But just always just this close to just going under. He said he, he got so tired of that, he got to spend an extra time seeking the Lord. You know, a lot of times you have to get tired and fed up with situations yes. and, and really mean business with God right. before you're going to get any breakthroughs. Because as long as you put up with it, you're going to have it. Yeah. you got to get tired of being poor. Yeah. I know I did. I grew up relatively poor. And we talked about this, you know, the last time we were here. I mean, I got, I got fed up with it. I got tired of never having anything. I want to do something that costs $10 and can't do it. Oh, just barely paying your bills. Never having anything. Can't do anything for anybody extra. Can't give big in the offerings. I got tired of that. I really earnestly sought God. He helped me with some things. Of course, some things we'd already gotten from Brother Hagin too helped us. But he said, among other things, he said in a protracted time of seeking the Lord, he said the Lord spoke to him about it. Turned his life around. He said, the Lord said to him, well, the, the main thing is, the first thing he said to him, he said, well, uh, do you remember the, some qualifications that I gave you for prosperity in the Word? And he, said, he referred to the scripture where he said, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And he said, the problem is you don't qualify. And he thought, well, Lord, I left my last church. I've been out on the road. I've done what you told. He said, yes, you did, but you haven't been willing. You did it, but you've resented it. He said he saw it just like a flash. He said it didn't take him long. He reached inside made an adjustment. <laughs> and he said, I'm willing now, Lord. And he said he was, and the Lord knew it. And he said the Lord said to him, yes, but there's something else. He said the problem is you don't practice what you preach. How many know the Lord will be straight with you? I mean, he'll... He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. But you're not going to get helped by pretending that nothing's wrong and that you've got it all together. When you've got major problems, you've got to see them. Deal with them. 
And he said, well, the problem is you don't practice what you preach. And he said, well, he felt, he, in his words, he said, I felt like the Lord hit me a low blow. He said, he said yes, Lord, you know I, I live by faith. You know, ever since I've come off the bed uh, of sickness and disease, I, I never fail to receive my healing. Uh, my children never fail to receive a healing. Uh, we, he, and he said, the Lord interrupted and said, yes, in the area of healing and health, you walk in by faith. But not in the area of finances. Do you know you can walk by faith in one part of your life and not be walking by faith in another part of your life? He said, you know, Brother Hagin said the Lord is talking to him, said, you know that if you need healing, that you know it's my will for you to have it, and you claim it by faith. And you receive it from me. He said, but you don't do that with money. And he said, I'm instructing you, don't pray about money the way you've prayed about it in the past. Stop praying for money and praying about money the way you have. The money you need is in this world. And if you're a tither, this is me talking now, if you're a tither and a giver, then God provides all your needs according to His riches and glory. Right. And the provision is there. And when you're sowing, then the harvest is there. But He said to him, He said, the money you need is in this realm. He said, claim what you need out of this world system. If you need X amount to make it through the month, claim that. And say, so I believe I receive that. I claim that in Jesus' name. And then say, go, ministering spirits, cause the money to come in. Well, what are you doing? What is that? You're wading out into the field. Is that right? And you're taking the sickle of faith. And you're cutting your big swatch. Do you see that? You're reaping. You sow by faith. It grows of itself. But then you reap by faith. And you're going to reap according to your faith. I have to watch it. I'll get ahead of myself here. Cause I don't want to tell you everything one night. But you reap according to your faith. The Bible said in Mark eleven twenty four, What things soever you desire, when you pray, do what? Believe. Believe that it's out there. No. Believe that God's a good God and wants me to prosper. It's not enough. Believe that you receive. That word literally means take. Believe that you take them. And you shall have them. Real quickly, go with me to 1 Timothy. The 6th chapter. I'm going to try not to keep you too much longer. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I said one reason why people don't reap a harvest... Is because they don't think they have anything to do with the reaping. They think it's just all automatic. But it's certainly not that way in the natural. Why do we think it's that way spiritually? 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. 1 Timothy 6. Let me begin reading here. In verse 12. 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. 
Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Notice that first phrase, fight the good fight of faith. What's the next two words? Lay hold. Lay hold. When you reap the corn, what do you do? You go out there and lay hold of the corn. Pull it off the stalk. Put it in the wagon. Take it back and put it in the barn. Or today we're mechanized so the combine lays hold of it. Right? Well, are you a sower? Well, are you as good of a lay holder as you are a sower? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Well, I believe in sowing, Brother Keith. Wonderful, wonderful. That's great. But when your crop comes in, do you believe in laying hold of it? I see several of you going to have to think about this. You, you're looking at me like, mm, I don't know, Brother Keith. I don't know. Well, I, I know, I know that you just like me, you don't want any added responsibility. You figure you just got plenty of responsibility as it already was. So you don't, I mean, you got the responsibility of tithing, you got the responsibility of sowing. And people don't want the added responsibility, but don't look at it like that. Look at it as a revelation. To say, hey, that's why I hadn't been enjoying as much harvest. Hadn't been taking it in. Hadn't been laying hold of it. I've been sowing, but I hadn't been reaping. You have to reap by faith just like you sow by faith. Fight the good fight of faith and do what? Lay hold on eternal life. Now, in the New Testament, the word life and the word death are big words. They include much more than just being alive and breathing or being dead and being buried. It's talking about spiritual life. And spiritual death and, and life, spiritual life is manifested in a lot of different ways. And spiritual death is manifested in a lot of different ways. Laying hold uh, of the new birth is laying hold of eternal life, of course. Laying hold of forgiveness of sin after you've been born again is laying hold of eternal life. Laying hold of the Holy Ghost and the fullness is laying hold of eternal life. Laying hold of the peace of God, the joy of God, is laying hold of life. All of this is life. Laying hold of healing is laying hold of eternal life. It's, it's a portion of eternal life manifested in your body. And laying hold of material and financial provision is laying hold of eternal life because God meets our needs how? According to His riches... In glory. See, it works out to be a natural thing, but it comes from a spiritual source. Can you see that? And anything you're going to enjoy in this life, you have to lay hold of it. You've got to lay hold of it. And some, we've learned some things in some other areas that if you want to be healed, you can't just wait around and pray and say, you know, sing Kumbaya. Right? Have, have we learned that? Well, if it's the Lord's will. No, you've got to become aggressive. You've got to, you can't just wait around and say, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Oh, no, no, no. No, we're not waiting on the Lord. Well, whenever He gets ready. No, He was ready when He took our sicknesses and diseases. 
When he bore the stripes, he was ready. And if we're not enjoying it, it's because we're not rising up and laying hold of it. You got to take it. I said you got to take it. You got to take it. Everybody say take it. You've got to become aggressive in taking these things with your faith, with your spirit. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're trying to rend something out of the hand of God that He doesn't really want to give us. No, 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 no. I'm talking about going out into the fields that are ripe in that particular area and reaping you a harvest of healing. Reaping a harvest of financial blessing. Reaping what? Taking it. Taking it. You can't be a timid soul and be successful in the Christian walk. You just cannot. So we, we, we need to understand the difference. When it comes to one another, we need to be kind. We need to be gracious. We need to be easy to get along with. When it comes to the devil, we don't put up with anything. Totally intolerant of the devil. When it comes to taking the blessings that are ours, I mean, we wade in and we grab. We reach both arms all the way in. Grasp it. And pull it to our bosom. And bring it into this realm. It's ours. It's there. It's waiting on us. But you've got to take it. But if you just sit by and say, well, Lord, I'm just waiting on you. Well, do you expect the Lord to go to the garden and pick the peas? Hmm, do you? Do you expect Him to go shuck the corn? Pull the corn? Run the combine? No, 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 no. Well, let's have that much sense spiritually then. Skip down to chapter, the same chapter, verse 17. Verse 17. He said, charge them that are rich in this world to not be high-minded, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. See, they're ready to sow and to give. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation. You could say a good reserve and a good supply and a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold. There's that word again. That they may lay hold on eternal life. Do you remember that Jesus told the rich young ruler, he said, you know, uh, he was asking him, what good thing can I do that I could may inherit eternal life? And he said, uh, the commandments. And he said, I've done those. And he said, well, there's one thing you lack, though. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Now, contrary to what some people try to think, make out of that, he is not telling that young man to take a vow of poverty. No. He's not telling him, I don't ever want you to have anything again for as long as you live. No, he didn't say that. Don't try to make him say that. But the problem is, we can see very clearly from the young man's response, he wasn't able to do that. And the reason he wasn't is because his faith was in his money. 
And the Lord wanted his faith to be in him and in God. That was the problem. Money's not the problem, it's the love of it. It's what place it has in your heart and in your life. And notice what he told him. He said, sell everything, give to the poor. And he said, you will have treasure in heaven. He didn't say it all be gone. He said, you'll have treasure in heaven. But at that point, a lot of people insert a religious verse. It's not there. It is not there. But in their mind, it's there. But they think it reads like this. Say what you have. Give to the poor. You'll lay treasure up in heaven where thou canst not touch it till thou diest. <laughs> but that's not there. When do you need money? Now, in this life. Right? When you sow, you lay up treasure in heaven. And when you cast your bread on the waters, after many days it's going to come back. But when it washes in, you've got to pick it up. I said you've got to pick it up. And when you know that you've got a harvest out there, by faith you must lay hold of it. And you must be aggressive. And not sit by and just wait for blessings to fall on you. You've got to be aggressive. In closing, go with me to Judges. I thought I'd close before I said this, but I want to say this before we go tonight. Judges chapter 18. Everybody say, I'm not just a sower. I'm a reaper. I'm a reaper. In Judges 18, verse uh, 9... The people there had spied some land, and they said to them, they said, Arise, Judges 18, Arise, that we may go up against them, for we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good, and are you still? Be not slothful to go and to enter to possess the land. Go get it. He said, We've seen it. It's good. There it is. But then he said, Don't be slothful. Go and enter in and possess it and take it. All through these parables, excuse me, not, not parables, but the stories here about Israel and the promised land, you know that the first generation failed to enter in because they didn't have the faith to lay hold. God said, it's yours. He said, there it is. I've given it to you. But that whole first generation wandered around out in the desert and didn't enjoy it because they didn't have enough faith to take it. Wow. It was theirs. But they didn't have enough faith to take it. Oh, but that next generation, <laughs> they were tired of wandering around out in the desert. Amen. And they stir, when it, God gave them the opportunity, they went in and they took it. Amen. The enemy was camped on it. And when they marched up and said, hey, this is ours. God has given it to us. They yelled back across the wall and said, well, it says you. <laughs> we've lived here all these years and it's ours. They said, no, God's given it to us and we've come to get it. They said, well, over our dead bodies. 
And they said, we can arrange for that. <laughs> and they took it. But do you understand, they did not enjoy one city, they did not enjoy one parcel of land that they did not take. They took it. They had to take it. It was given to their fathers, but they didn't have the faith to take it. There's been this mentality upon large, uh, in the minds of a large part of the church that, you know, it's all up to the Lord. We just sit around and kind of wait, and when He sees fit, He'll give us something. And we just kind of wait by the outside the gate and see if he throws something out. We sit outside the gate and, you know, sing, Lord, do you have some change? <laughs> have you got some crumbs you could spare? Throw us something, Lord. But the Lord did not create us a bunch of beggars and paupers. He created us sons and daughters of God. He created us to be warriors of His. An army of His. And He wants us to have some honor and some glory. So He doesn't just sit us in the house and march it into us and, and, and spoon feed it to us. He gives us the dignity and honor of acting like men and women. And sons and daughters. And he lets us have a part in obtaining it. He opens his hand. And he says, see this? Yes. It's yours. And you go, oh, glory to God. That's my Yes, all of it's yours. So you go to get it. But it's barred and walled in. And there's big ugly hairy demons sitting on it. <laughs> he didn't tell you about the wall. He didn't tell you about the demon. But how many know when the Lord says it's yours? I don't care how many demons are sitting on it. I don't care how tall. When He says it's yours, it's yours. But you're not going to experience any more than you take. You've got to take it. They said to these people, they said, it's good, we've seen it. Why be slothful though? Get up and go get it. Get up and go get it. How many have sown above their tithe? Last year, did you sow above your tithe? Well, when you plant seed, you have harvest coming in. Amen. Have you reaped your harvest? <laughs> We're going to talk about that in our next sessions. <laughs> this ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.